Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another summer special episode of the Brighton Rock podcast with me, Russell Guyver, and my co-host, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hey, Russ. How are you doing? Yeah, we're back again, but we're back off the pub duties. We're back on Zoom. Um, and there's a pretty good reason for that. I mean, avoiding beer and trying to lose a bit of weight is one of the plans in my case. Uh, but also the fact that we can't really talk to the rest of the people that we've got on the show down the pub, not at the moment anyway, because they're all at stateside. And we've got, let's count this, five of them in at the moment. And we couldn't get our old friend who's already been on the pod, Amir, in. He's busy with family commitments this weekend, uh, which is a shame because he, he said he would have loved to have done it. But he'll, he's going to come back in a follow up episode quite soon. What we have got is a returning Mr. John Bradshaw, a.k.a. the Brighton Bard. Hello and welcome back to you, sir. Thank you, Russ. Thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Yeah, absolutely delighted to have you with us. Um, we also have some other stateside American, I think you're all American, I'm presuming you are, um, fans who have become Albion fans, and we're going to hear their backstories. We have Sonny. Hello, Sonny. Hey, what's going on? Well, a podcast. <laughs> Apart from that, not much else. It's the summer and it's raining, by the way, here in England as we're speaking. Classic British weather. Anyway, welcome to the podcast for your debut. Welcome also to AJ Hunter. Welcome, AJ. Thanks for having me, Russ. Ah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, sir. We have Dagan, who I've had a lot of communications with on Twitter. Uh, very keen uh, to talk all things Albion for sure. Welcome, Dagan. Uh, thank you so much, Russ. Honor and a pleasure to finally uh, talk to you via these, these means rather than the, the DMs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and what, may I say what a magnificent beard. That is, that's something else. <laughs> hey, I, I'm contemplating a summer trim, but uh, I'm holding <laughs> on for, for right now. Yeah. Oh, superb. And thank last you. but by very much no means least, we have Paul Dorsey, who is, well, the, the, the main guy as far as the stateside seagulls. Uh, fan group is concerned welcome paul thank you for having me excellent well it seems fitting really and we're going to get all of your backgrounds i think first of all on how you came to be albion fans we know john's because he's he's a brighton man well a hove man originally now an expat over there in the states um it's tucson isn't it you're in by the way john is that right oklahoma Oh, it's Oklahoma. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we've got John's story, of course, before. I'm sure you may reiterate a bit of it later on and feel free to. But I think it seems appropriate to start with Paul because you've got the stateside seagulls thing. Let's talk about that first of all and how that came into being and how you became an Albion fan as well. Over to you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So I started getting into soccer probably, gosh, I don't know, 
about 10, 15 years ago. And I'm from Baltimore. I'm an Orioles fan. It's a baseball team here. And we've always been, at least in my history of following the Orioles, we've been a pretty bad team. So I feel like that's just kind of been my experience with sports is kind of rooting for the underdog. And I can't remember exactly. I wish I could when I started following Brighton for the first time, which is kind of by happenstance. It wasn't some game that really attracted me to it. It was just, I started following the results and ended up being that really the culminating factor in me really feeling like Brighton was my team was unfortunately the 2013 playoff semifinal against Palace. I felt like, okay, yeah, I've been following this team. Let me listen to the the playoffs. This is really exciting. I have no idea what's going on. Didn't understand the rivalry with Palace at that point, but I had saw that all the Brighton fans were really excited about it. So I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. And that was, I, I felt the heartbreak, obviously probably not as much as Brighton fans who had been with the team for a long time at that point. But that was when I knew like, okay, yeah, this is my team. This is go- this. I had a visceral reaction to this. This is my team now. And so, yeah, so that was 2013. And then in 2016, you know, I'd seen on Twitter a few Brighton fans here and there in the States, most of them expats at that point. And I was like, okay, I know that there are a few of us, but I've never talked with anybody extended conversations or anything. I have no idea who else is over here. So let's, let's start a group, start stateside seagulls and see if I can find any other Brighton fans here. And it's just kind of grown exponentially since then. Fantastic. Brilliant. And you've got how many, I was going to check it up, but I might as well ask you how many people you got following the account? Probably loads now, isn't it? Yeah. It's up to almost 2,800 followers on the account. Um, For reference on promotion day, we had 75. So it's been unbelievable, the growth that we've had since we've been in the Premier League and even this past season, you know, having such an unbelievable season, getting to the Europa League. It's been a whirlwind and I'm sure it's going to grow even bigger as summer series comes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Before we pass on to the sort of get the other stories, I should mention that Palace game in the playoffs. Um just to give you an idea of the rivalry, I mean, the only time I've seen that many people after the game in absolute silence, not even talking to each other. I've only seen it in, when you have a minute silence for respect at stadiums for someone that's passed away. Uh, <laughs> but it was honestly, it was the eeriest um, feeling I've ever, ever had when I got back to the rail station just near the uh, stadium. I think we've been in really good form, haven't we? And they've been in pretty bad form. And I think just everyone was kind of, expected yeah. not not yeah, assume I, we win but was optimistic we would win and then yeah it was just I remember disaster. the feeling and of course I had only kind of followed the results I didn't know anything about the team at that point but I saw on Twitter like people were really excited like oh we drew with Palace at Selhurst Park so oh yeah we should win at the Amex this is going to be great and then it all went it all went to shit so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as often was the case. Not so much at the moment. This is a brave new dawn for us, but there we go. Okay, well, yeah, that's great. So fantastic, Paul. Let's let's pass it over to one of the new uh the newbies as well, the other newbies. Uh well let's go with Dagan. You're smiling away. Let's go with you next. Let's let's get your story. Where did it all begin? Boy, this could be a, a long one though. It's not far in, in in my history as a person, but it's uh brand new. Uh just this past August. Uh, I was on vacation with a couple of friends and we had walked into our you know, vacation rental and plopped down on the couch and Premier League was on. And I have resisted, uh, despite many soccer fans in my world, um, football fans uh, in my world, encouraging me to pick a team and follow the league. I had never done it. And I've been a coach uh, 
my entire adult life up to this point for 22 years, basketball and tennis. And I was stepping away from coaching. And I knew that going into this year um, because my uh, now 11 year old time, 10 year old um, has fallen in love with soccer and has started playing competitively. And I wanted to be sport dad um, more than I wanted to continue to be coach. And so I was like, well, I guess now's the time. I've got all the time I'm opening up from not coaching. And I've got a little one that really likes the sport. I should learn everything about it. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll pick a team. And it just so happened that the game that was on the television at that moment was Brighton versus Man U in the opening weekend of the season. Um, that didn't make the decision for me, though it didn't hurt. Um, but I went on a massive research project on my vacation, um, made a big spreadsheet that much ado has been made of. Um, and, uh, you know, weighed a lot of figures started by eliminating the, the big six teams and Newcastle. Um, and then that left me with 13 teams to sort of evaluate. I paired that list down to seven, then down to three. And the first column after the sort of you know, team identifiers, team nickname was the owner. And I really probably didn't need to do any more uh, because sort of the Tony Bloom story and then behind that, the story of Brighton really appealed to me. And then as I did more research, it was it was clear what I wanted to pick was a team that wasn't going to go down anytime soon. I wanted to keep rooting for Premier League club and looking at the long term trajectory of, of Brighton. It had been really, really positive, in particular, since Bloom's ownership took hold. And so just had a good feeling. Uh, I love the beach. That didn't hurt. I thought if I was going to visit anywhere in England, where would I want to go? And Brighton seemed like the place. And uh, so I became I became a Brighton fan. Little did I know uh, how devoted and how engaged I would be. Uh, but it's been a blast. And I will say, because of folks like John and like yourself um, and some of the other podcasters, uh, you know, it, it's just been the best fan experience of my entire life as a lifetime, as an athlete and as a fan. Um, so I just I care a lot about this community already and I feel cared for by it. So thank you. Oh, fantastic. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think you, you, you talked about this process of elimination, eliminate the big six and what will probably be the big seven at Newcastle as well. Cause that's, I think that's going to be a recurring theme here as we go through these stories, I'd imagine. Um, unless there was a very particular reason you had a connection, but, um, yeah, because it's just picking something that's not the very obvious. And as soon as you do that, then it goes into a random order. And I, I'm wondering if we're going to go into a new era soon where we're at, we are actually going to get picked based on sort of some kind of glory hunting related element <laughs> i'm not sure maybe i'm being a bit too hopeful saying that but um you can make it, i love it the way it is it's great people are coming to it for different reasons for purer reasons i think you could call it and it's great and yeah it's a great community and it's a it's a global one now and i, I love that it's great so, i'll be honest russell thank you ever support brighton for glory hunting reasons you've probably got <laughs> bad judgment <laughs> So I would say my perspective is I, I disagree. Everyone that follows football in the world that I've come into contact with wearing one of these shirts has said in some way, shape or form, they're playing some of the most beautiful football in the world. Yeah. Hard stop. Um, so I think there are going to be a lot of people and young people who pick up. Oh, the yeah, game but, and but if you want the actual glory, probably oh. best to go for one of the big six, I would have thought. <laughs> or big yeah. seven, I suppose, now in Newcastle as well. Fair. No, absolutely. I mean, in terms of like, aesthetically watching the game, absolutely. It's been superb this season. Mm. Um, Paul mentioned he was from Baltimore. I don't know, David, I don't know if I picked up on it. I might have missed it, but where, whereabouts are you located, just so we know? So I'm a few hours south of that in central Virginia. Oh, okay. um, so I actually went and watched the cup match uh, with Paul in D.C. and a few other D.C. goals. 
Oh, cool. Brilliant. Fantastic. So you've met in person as well. This yeah. Great. great. And I know you mentioned the other podcast. I know you've been on Josh's podcast, haven't you? Uh, mate of mine. Uh, to together uh, podcast, I think. Um, he's now back our side of the uh, water now. <laughs> I think he's having a bit of a culture shock this side now. <laughs> um, he started watching cricket again. You know, it's it's kind of it's going off the rails already. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, that's that's good as well. And I think have you been on one of the other pods as well? I've got I've kind of feeling I've. So yeah, on. together is is sort of where this whole journey of me talking about Brighton started. They were kind enough to invite me on. Um, and so I spent spent that time with them and I've been on with them one other time, but I've been on Albion Obsessed now um, quite oh, yeah. a few times. And I'm sort of a, a permanent member uh, of the team there, which has been a blast as a Sony. Um, and it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I, I also I didn't mention Paul, who was another person that was tremendously welcoming um, when I started following the club. So I have to tip my cap to him as well. Hmm. Speaking of Paul, I'm just looking. It's a little bit difficult on Zoom, and I do need to get out like, a new prescription for my glasses, I think. But looking like, just just on a glance, you look a little bit like Glenn Murray, Paul. I don't know. Is that, is that my imagination? I've, got, I've gotten Glenn Murray. I've gotten Harry Kane. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, don't mention Harry Kane. Peter is not a fan of Harry Kane. <laughs> his antics on the pitch. That's going to be a whole other hour if you mention his name. Exactly. We'll pretend that didn't happen. Peter, you didn't hear anything. <laughs> But no, there is a bit of a just got to mention Leeds now, and then we'll be like all the way through. (laughs) In case you haven't heard the pod before, that those are the two main things he rants about: Harry Kane and Leeds. Never mind Palace; it's the it's the uh, shithousery of those guys. But no, the 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 latter day, the 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 latter era, Glenn Murray look. You've got that at the moment going on. It's I like it. That's great. Good stuff. Yeah, I'll I'll take that. I'll take that for sure. Well, moving swiftly on then. So let's get the female view next. So, Sonny, um, so you've been, uh, along with Dagan, you say you've been doing some Albion Obsessed stuff. We, I've met those guys recently. We did a podcast. Um, you might have seen Top of the Pods. We did a quiz podcast. By the way, Peter and I did win that, just to mention. <laughs> uh, when I say we did, Peter, of course, smugly smiling, actually was the star. Um, you know, the strike partnerships, you know, you've got strike partners. You need both for it to work, really, don't you? That's the one thing I'll say. But but you guys, yeah, we, we met the You're Albion. yourself that, Russ. <laughs> we, we met the Albion Obsessed guys, I think, for the first time on there when we did that, um, just on a Zoom call. Um, but they seem nice guys. It's Joe and Tom, is it? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, shout out to them as well and check out their podcast also. Um, but Sonny, so you've been on that as well. Uh, but let, t- let's get back to your story. Where, where did it all start for you? Uh, just like Paul, I am a baseball fan first and foremost. I'm a Washington Nationals fan. Um, we are actually not too far from Baltimore. I grew up an Orioles fan when I was little, but when I moved back to D.C. in my older ages, um, I went with the Nats. Uh, for me, it was the Nationals losing 107 games in one season and halfway. Yeah, it was really bad. Uh, halfway through the season, I looked at a friend. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I cannot watch this game. I'm going to cry. Like, I cannot watch my team suffer. I can't do it. Um, and a guy that I was seeing at the time was like, hey, I have an extra ticket to uh, the Bayern Munich DC United game. Do you want to go? And I'm like, sure, why not? I don't even know what any of these teams are, but sure, I'll go. Um, so I went and we had a really good time. And I kind of was watching the game and looking at how everything was like very passionate. Everybody had like this really strange, like camaraderie feeling. Baseball is basically a solitary sport. You know, you tell people to shut up when someone's playing. Um, 
And so, but everyone else around me was like super engaging and they're like chanting and doing all the stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I can get behind a new sport. Like, why not? Why not? Um, and so after, after we had finished watching that game, I was like, all right, let me do some research. I did a little bit of research here and there. Couldn't really figure it out. Um, and then I think the turning point for me was when I caught COVID shortly after that. And that's when I clicked on the TV and was like, all right, time to watch a game. Like I'm stuck here for like another two weeks. I got to do something. And the first game that I was watching was the same one that Dagan was watching was the Manchester United Brighton game. Um, Cause Manchester United was the only team that I knew off the top of my head and all of my coworkers at work were like, Oh yeah, you should watch the premier league. Okay, fine. Um, so after I started watching that game and I saw Brighton make these goals and everybody else was like freaking out online, I'm like, okay, I can see where this is coming from. This is the team I want to support. That's cool. Um, so I went on to Twitter that night and I was like, and found the Twitter community for Brighton and Hope Albion was like, Hey, I just saw your game. Really cool. I decided to adopt you guys as my club. Hope to learn more about the sport. Okay. I'm going to sleep. Bye. And then I went to sleep and I woke up next morning to like a bunch of follows, a bunch of people saying, welcome. Oh my gosh, you picked like the greatest team. La-di-da-di-da. One of them was like, hey, you should, you know, follow Stateside Seagulls for support. Like there are fans out in the States. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay. Um, And ever since then, I've kind of been folded in um, and it's been a blast. I recently was in England in April to see oh. the Wolves game. And so um, Albion Obsessed did a little like spotlight on me being there for the first time ever in the UK. And I ended up being called the lucky charm. So I'm, I'm frightened of Albion's lucky charm. Um, and then eventually it just became into, Hey, like do this, do that. Like you should come and hang out with us and eventually got into Albion Obsessed and eventually, you know, it just kind of came up to what it is now. So I'm just really happy to have a second sport one that disappoints me less <laughs> yeah, exactly well i mentioned Amic can come on and he he said uh, when he was giving his story he said he every single one of the sports he's into all the sports over there and um they're, they're, all of the teams he supports are rubbish he said they're just really bad and he just felt that it wasn't going to be an issue so he, he just he was just going to pick he wasn't going to pick one of the big teams because he thought you know it's probably backfired now he's probably disappointed we're doing well uh <laughs> it's just not fitting his profile at all but uh but no it's great it's good and you, you'll definitely get ups and downs, and I think it's far more entertaining. I know you guys um, don't have the don't have the concept in American sports for this relegation promotion thing, and there's a bit of big debate about that. Uh, both sides of the Atlantic, I'm sure, on that one, and, and loads of the journalists here talk about how that's such a, a big disparity in the cultures of sport. And it's interesting, but I think, um, for example, Arsenal fans over here, Arsenal have never been relegated. They've been in the top flight for not the entire history, but for most of it. And when they went up, they've never been down since. And you know, my mates who are Arsenal fans have said, oh, it's great winning titles, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, yeah, but you haven't had the experience of promotion. More importantly, promotion after you've had relegation. Because when you've had relegation and you've had the proper angst, the proper pain, mm, then you get really the promotion. Say that's- I can't really say that's true. So the Washington Nationals did win a World Series in 2019. Yeah. So that that was our like Premier League trophy. Oh. Um, and then shortly after that was the downfall because then we had COVID and then we had just people lose left and right. And yeah. we have been in playoff situations five, six years in a row where we oh, okay. have lost. So yeah. 
I know a good fair bit about losing hardcore and winning hardcore. And so whenever I was watching the team, you know, like have their winning moments and have their losing moments and seeing everybody on Twitter, like lose their minds about, Oh my gosh, we're going to lose. We're not going to make it. I would just laugh. I like, I would honestly just laugh because I'm so used to it. It's baseball trauma. Like once, once you've been in a sport dedicated for so long, you start watching other sports and then you see other people lose their minds. It's like, eh, I've seen worse. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. It's, it's, it makes for great TV, doesn't it? Watching yeah. I mean, we, we've all yeah. seen so much worse watching Brighton and yet this year, everyone was so stressed about getting top six or top seven. It's like, well, actually it was still going to be our highest ever finish. Even if we just miss out, it's still going to be amazing, but it would have been a bit gutting had it having done it, but it's still like would have been, our highest ever position and it wouldn't, we weren't going down. We weren't like, you know, people still get upset. I mean, I do as well. I was getting quite stressed at the time, mainly because I just want to go and watch Brighton in Europe, basically, <laughs> from random places. Yeah. Hey guys, being a, being an optimist, we can say that we've never been relegated from the Premier League. That's true. Yeah. You exactly. just cursed it now, John. What have you done? <laughs> It's true though, yeah, yeah. We've um, we never, yeah, but top flight, yes. Premier League era, no. <laughs> and it's looking good to at least keep that going for a while, despite the possible cursing element there from John. Um, yeah, let's let's hope it goes along and long and through with uh, with some successful years. Um, okay, well let let let's hear from AJ first. Only person we haven't heard from properly yet. So AJ, tell us your story. Uh, I started following Brighton. Probably the middle of the 2019 season, the COVID season. Um, I'm from Michigan. So, um, aside from our local, um, USL club, the United Soccer League, uh, the Bard is, is familiar with it with Tulsa, uh, uh, Detroit City. Detroit has not had any sort of champion success since the, uh, the Tigers nearly made it. A World Series in 2012 against Boston. Um, so in 2019, I was looking in soccer, uh, just trying to get back into the sport after falling away from it in the past and, uh, wanted to again, not support the top six and, uh, uh, fell in love with, uh, the story of Brighton, the, uh, the upward rise of the, t- of the club. And, uh, eventually I ended up, uh, following the stateside seagulls Instagram and the Twitter with Paul. And, uh, we had actually gotten into contact a little bit while I was still at school and, uh, bounced a few ideas off of each other. We attempted to, uh, make a discord server, uh, fell a little short in the end, but you know, the ideas were there and we could see the growth coming forth, the uh, stateside seagulls. Um, so like I said, being familiar with DCFC who currently this year is on a downturn. It's just been a terrible season for, for the Rouge, but in the past, it's just been championships winning. And that's all we had known for a long time since 2012. Um, and now this year, DCFC's down, Brighton's up. So, uh, soccer in terms of soccer, I'm pretty, pretty well in hand. Excellent. It's another outlet, isn't it? If one thing's going badly, at least something else might be going all right. You get that, you get that kick, don't you, with that possibility, which is great. Fantastic. So, so that's great. And, um, obviously, Sonny, you've said you've been over. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing at some point, Paul and AJ, have, have, have you been over or you plan has come over? What, what, what's the situation with you guys with regard to that? No. So we, uh, we met on 
we we first communicated through the through Twitter and then on to Zoom. We were bouncing ideas off each other. I'm I've been stuck in in Michigan. Uh, I had some plans to go over to to DC and Virginia area to try and watch a couple games, but because of COVID and then life happened, so that those fell through. Uh, in the end, it is a, a goal of mine to get over uh, overseas to just do some soccer tourism. Uh, I follow pretty much every major league in, on the continent. So bouncing around different countries, different leagues is my end goal. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And I've been, I've been a couple of times as well. So I've been in the first time I went was a away game at Blackburn in 2016, which was uh-huh. crazy. It was like a snow globe snowing. Bobby Zamora scored. It was insane. Um, and then I went, the last time I went was, December 2018 against Palace. We won 3-1. And that was my first experience at the MX. It was unbelievable. Wow, that's a great one to go to. Yeah, I to say. <laughs> yeah that's our last win against them until quite recently. And yep. beaten them after that. So that's the one where we were down to 10 men for an hour, weren't we, pretty much? And We were, yeah. Shane Duffy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a what a great game to go to. It's brilliant. Yeah. I was going to say to all of you guys, whenever you get over to games, it's... The one frustrating thing is the be- the best experience usually is the uh, it's changing a bit now, but it's usually the away games. And unfortunately, it's so much harder to organise because we're in the Premier League. The obviously the demand's high, so the games all tend to sell out uh, unless you get something like a, a really busy schedule of games and you get a northern unfashionable club on a Tuesday night. You might get tickets for that, something like that. But if you say, for example, the London away days are always great but they sell out so quickly. Even a load of long-term season ticket holders can't get tickets. And it's a shame it's really hard to get that experience unless you could organise something through the club, whether they'd let you have a, some designated spaces set aside for something like that. It's a shame. But the Amex is a great venue and it's it's been great. I'm sure you know the story, long-term battle to get the the new ground after losing the old one and all the rest of it. Um, but it is, it's become a great venue, hasn't it? I think it's it's starting to to look really good now and um in terms of there was a while where it wasn't wasn't great seeing rainy tuesday night in stoke taken saying <laughs> um yeah it's it's kind of like it's, it's, it wasn't the greatest place for reaping rewards score wise for a while even under graham potter last uh, the season before last he was having some weird scores some weird sequences which we talked about a lot before um but last season was great some really good games obviously the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, all those games were great and many more besides. So hopefully whenever you do get over for any other games in the future, uh, you can, if it's an Amex match, which is more likely to be able to get tickets, it should be a good experience, hopefully. And um, that's that's superb. Right. The only person we haven't spoken to in detail yet is John, the Brighton Bard. So um, the only one of our crew here tonight who is an expat, living over in the States at the moment. You've been over there a good few years. Hovite originally, aren't you, from Hove? I lived um, in, I've lived everywhere. I lived in Brighton. Well, I lived in, I was in Sussex from 83, Russ. So I moved down to Horsham first. Uh, oh. actually in I'm actually born in Birmingham. To moved down when I was 10 in 83. And then uh, Brighton from 89. Uh, Brighton and Hove, I've dotted, dotted around. Um, used to live right next to the Goldstone uh, for a few years when I was a student. But yeah, Brighton until 2019, got married to uh, my wife, who's from Oklahoma, and uh, been here ever since. Yeah, I mixed up two. I, I said Tucson. I was thinking of trying to remember Tulsa. That's, I do realise where the mistake went, by the way, earlier on. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, this is quite a common thing, guys, as well. You, you tend to find a load of 
Brighton fans aren't originally from Sussex, but they've gravitated there. So uh, Dagan, you're saying about it's a good place to to visit if you come over. It really is. And people that have visited from wherever they come from, a lot of people will stay in the area, whether it be people going to university or just taking a job for a year or something or uh, or play ex-players. A lot of the ex-players stay in the area. Um, and yeah, it's, it is a place that's kind of desirable. It's great, great place to go to. It's too expensive to live in now. It's almost like London prices, which is crazy. Well, hindsight, hindsight would be a great thing when it comes to that, wouldn't it, Russ? Because oh, yeah. moving down as a student in 89, you could buy a house for about 25,000 oh, pounds, <laughs> which is probably worth nearly a million now. But yeah, it's, it's a great place. I think the students do, do drive it, but that gives its, that gives the city its vibrance. It's quite youthful, uh, feel. Um, I think that's, that sort of fuels quite a lot of the demand for, for, you know, being there for space and for accommodation. It's, it's become incredibly more popular even since I've left, I think, only in the last four or five years. Yeah, yeah. And you have a load of celebrities. You have people like Kate Blanchett and Adele and Steve Coogan and Nick Cave. People from all over the place have kind of gravitated there, have lived there at one point or another, maybe still do. Um, we've got uh, John Sim, who's a great actor over this way. You guys may not know him. He's mainly known for his TV work, but a uh, really good actor who's uh, doing a drama series about uh, a fictional police detective in Brighton. And uh, since moving down for, uh, for filming for that, he's now moved down to the area. Although I noticed he came down for the Fat Boy Slim gig on the beach where 250,000 people turn up and wreck the city. <laughs> um, he was down for that, I think, back in the day. But it's, it's a place people do gravitate to, so it's it's great. But um, how have you found it, John, in terms of, obviously, you know, the, the distance, absence makes the heart grow fonder and all that stuff. Getting in touch with people through social media has obviously been a big thing, as you talked about in the previous time you came on. But how have you found it in the, the since we last spoke, which was what a year? Well, on the podcast was yeah. a year or two ago. Um, well, let's it, I'll, I'll split it pers- personally in football, shall I? So it's funny you ask. I, it's, I struggled this year, so I've struggled. Absence makes, makes a heart go fonder, quite right. But for the first four years, you know, the weather here is is. It's it's crazy, but it, it's warmer than the UK generally. So I've enjoyed being here, warm evenings, you know, far more sun. But I must admit, from a personal perspective, while you guys in the UK have had some great weather earlier in the summer, I really struggled with it. Um, and so it's it's my first year I've got homesick, really have. I've been lucky mm. enough to be back three times this year and, and twice towards the end of last year. But still, I've, I've, I've been quite difficult because it's such a beautiful place. Miss, miss the countryside a hell of a lot. Mm. Um, but linking that to what Dagan, what Sonny, what everyone said, really, is the account, the Brighton Bard, which has been going less than four years, was started just in preparation for potentially missing the UK and missing Sussex and missing the club. And so I can only echo what everyone said in terms of witnessing or hopefully being part of the welcome that stateside seagull members or you know certainly stateside fans get um it's it's i think in the same way as everyone's echoed how you know help them feel belong and they feel connected it's exactly the same for me um paul reached out to me very early on when i first uh, opened the account i remember him saying what's your address i thought why does he want to write to me and <laughs> without without any request he sent me a, a stateside seagull badge and i opened it it was like that's my wife darling look what paul's just sent me this guy i don't even know on twitter and so um yeah i can link those two answers it's i, I miss the uk i miss brighton but what 
Paul has done in, certain, in terms of stateside seagulls, what many of the guys, all the guys who are on this, this call now, the pod, your pod now, Russ, uh, and everyone on Twitter back in the UK, I've got friends I didn't have when I left here in summer of 2019, who I go for beers with in Brighton when I'm back because of the Brighton bar, therefore because of social media. And in a world where social media can do so much damage, it's a, uh, a huge beacon of hope that it can be used for good, which is fantastic to be part yeah. of. And the, the advent of the internet in general, I remember, um, because uh, I'm a Worthing boy, born and bred, so Sussex boy, lived in Brighton for a little bit as well. And then when I moved out to Southampton for a course and then eventually up to London, the internet was only just starting in that era. And I did feel very isolated, actually. I was kind of homesick as far as things like a couple of social things and, and, and the football in particular went. And uh, I, I went on the, the message, but the official message board, you know, you had a fans forum on the official club website back in the day. And it was quite good. And all of the people on there, barring maybe two, maybe three people, were exiles. They were exiles somewhere else in England, with the exception of a, a guy from Canada. Um, but apart from that, everyone else was from somewhere else in the UK. And they couldn't really go to games often. The football was awful anyway, to be honest. But they probably wouldn't have wanted to go to the games then. But, you know, you had a guy from Lancashire. You had a guy from uh, Wiltshire. You had... Um, someone in the northeast yeah people all over the place from there and that gave me the same sense even though you're a lot further away than I was when I was sitting in London obviously and I could still go to some games I couldn't really get to matches because I was working at the weekends but you know in essence it's the same thing and I, I found exactly what you did I found friends who I I'd lost touch with all the people I used to go to games with when I was a kid or when I was a teenager at the time, and I hardly knew anyone at the Albion. Now I probably know literally hundreds of people, uh, but it all started from this message board. The message board went a bit dodgy when they changed users. We set up a version of it to keep it going somewhere else, expanded it a bit, more people joined. Uh, we had started having socials, and off the back of that, I started meeting other people. Then obviously things like social media turned into the equation later on, and the whole thing's just gone off the scale, and I just bumping into people all over the place and I'm quite chatty anyway I'm a nightmare you know if I go to the bar to get drinks I'm gone for about an hour I've got the drinks okay I just got talking to someone and not come back with the drinks bit, bit of a nightmare but um but yeah that whole thing of the online community is I think it goes back quite a long way but obviously now it's become more of a global element and for people that are further exiled away I think it's all the more important so especially if you've been feeling Homesick this year, mate. Oh man, I feel for you. Ah, it's not easy. It's not easy. Well, it, it's yeah, it, sometimes it's fine when, the, when it's a lovely evening, and and obviously we're, I'm six hours behind. Obviously the guys vary slightly. Most most of them on the call are going to be for probably five hours behind, but um, it's not too bad. Once once it's kind of really it's it's fear of missing out often as well. It's sort of like what time is it for me now? It's uh, obviously it's twenty twenty to eight for you on a Friday night for us back in the UK, and. I'm having to work and I know my friends are at the pub and, and I stupidly follow nearly all the pubs I used to drink at on Instagram or Twitter. So I open up and as well as seeing all the great, you know, BHAFC stuff, I see, you know, all the pubs, you know, having great nights. So that 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 can be difficult, but I think it will pass. I think, um, yeah, it's it's it didn't, hasn't happened before. I just and the positive being and I try and do this on the Twitter feed. If you're there in Brighton in Sussex, in the UK, and enjoying the summer, you know, go and enjoy it. Go If you're in Brighton, go to the beach. I did a little thing last night. I'm, 
I hardly ever swam off the sea. I, I go fishing sometimes, but I just do anything. Yesterday it hit 52.2 degrees Celsius heat index here in Oklahoma, 126 degrees Fahrenheit. What I do to jump off Hove Beach and go for a swim, I don't care if it's stony. I don't care if it's windy. If you live over there, go and enjoy it because you really bloody miss it when it's not available. Yeah. And even in London, I miss the sea. And I go down regularly. But when I go down regularly, it's mainly for the games or to see my parents. My parents live quite close to the coast, so I might go down for an hour or something. But the rest of the time, I go to the Brighton games, and there's no time to go to the seafront because I'm meeting up with people, having drinks, and all the rest of it. It's all good. By the way, I hope you guys, if if you have been over to the to the UK, I hope you've had a good, nice, warm pint of ale. <laughs> Proper old-school English beers. <laughs> As well as the craft beer revolution that goes on all over the place, of course, which is great. That's where Peter's uh, uh, affiliations lie, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, prefer- preferable to the proper beer, I think, probably. Or what, what people over here regard as proper beer. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Right. Well, I mean, you're saying, um, John, you were missing this this season. I mean, what what season to miss from the from the literal point of view. I mean, it's been an incredible season, hasn't it, guys? Um, obviously, it's been our best ever in terms of finishing position. A whole load of records have been broken, highest number of points, highest number of goals scored, all the rest of it. I won't bore you with the details. You all know all this stuff already, I'm sure. But um, who wants to go first on talking about this season? The season just gone. Uh, incredible. Um, I don't know. Dagan, you're smiling away again. Let's go with you first. <laughs> I'm always smiling. I try to. <laughs> um, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And I know mm. that sounds crazy, uh, but everybody told me from the outset, you know, just wait till Boxing Day. You know, nothing matters so far. It's too early to be excited. And I had a very different welcome experience from Sony because all I remember hearing was not we're the best club ever, but be ready for pain and suffering. Um, and I just kept feeling like this is a new era. This is a new team. And I certainly worried when Potter left because I, one of the things I really was attracted to was sort of what he was clearly building as a, as a coach, as a manager, uh, very quickly, uh, those fears, you know, were allayed. even, even in the early struggles of Deserby, you saw something happening, um, that was really positive. And I think once the guy's confidence grew, it was, it was, you know, more than we could have imagined, but it, it was, it was exactly what I expected. I feared that the, the VAR calls would end up costing us a European position. That was, that was really the big worry, but I felt like we had earned one. Um, and I was glad we ended up getting across the finish line at the very end, despite some of the injuries and, and the VAR decisions. And I just watched that montage of, you know, goals of the season today that the the club put out and it was just like this is otherworldly like the collection of goals was just unbelievable and to reflect back and think oh that that all happened over the span of a season you know it here you know yeah, ESPN I've seen so many included in a, in a normally there's like about 10 or something like that in there but it was like 15 16 even though everyone knows which one's going to win because uh <laughs> we've got one goal of the whole season for the premier league so it'd be ironic if it didn't win for us 
the thing as well for me, I've just been t- sorting out my garage or garage, as you guys would say, uh, quite a bit of old stuff to go through. Oh, but I've got a whole load of recorded DVDs from the TV um, because back in the day, you just wouldn't get anywhere near this kind of coverage, obviously, because we weren't in the Premier League to start with. And secondly, we weren't very fashionable, particularly. We'd gone and down in the dumps, all sorts of stuff. But I, any snippets on the TV, I'd record and compile together. But I was going through the stuff I needed to keep, which bits not to keep. And um, it's incredible to think how you'd, you'd get officially released DVDs or actually videos originally, video cassettes from the club with the season summary. I think it was in two parts at one point. So you'd have these two big bloody boxes on your shelf just for one season's worth of shit football. <laughs> um, and the production values were terrible, to put it bluntly. And when you look at what's happened now, not only are the goals amazing, but the production, the, the, the snappiness of the video, obviously is fantastic. I think the, the general standard would be good across the board, even if you're a, a third-level team now anyway. But the fact that we're a Premier League team and you've got such good goals, as you said, to to, to showcase over a, one season just makes it immeasurably different to how it, it was. In fairness that we've seen, it wasn't helped by the fact that Stan literally vibrated when we scored a goal. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, yeah, which sounds cool, but it was it was a bit shit, actually. It did not help like the filming of it, I imagine. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. But everything about the club has improved, and you know the snappy editing and f- film production s- style quality uh, has, has actually gone off the scale. So much better. It's great. It's great stuff. Um, so, uh, the, well, all of you guys, by the way, apart from Peter and I, all you guys stateside seem to have Albion tops on, and they're not home tops. Interestingly, they're either tra- some kind of training kit, away kit, some all sorts of bits. I can't see what Paul's got. Oh yeah, he's got a, a re- is that a retro one? Yeah, nice. it's the the retro remake they had on the the club's store. I think this season. Right. Fantastic! I'm going to have to have a wardrobe change for part two. Then I'm wearing an ordinary shirt, but um, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So so incredible season, Dagan, as you say. And Sonny, um, how did you find it as well? Because you've been over, you'd seen a gap. Was that sorry? Did you say that was this season or was that last season? It was this season, wasn't it? Yeah, it was this season. It was the Wolves game, the six and zero yeah. Wolves game. Yeah, um, so it in the flesh. You've seen it in action. I, w- I was in the North Stand. I was in there. Like I made it a Brilliant. specific point. I had to be in the North Stand. I had to be with the fans, and I had to get a really good like view of everybody on the field. Um, but in, in terms of like season overall, I think we actually did a pretty good job. Um, I wouldn't say like, eh, I, I, I can probably say that it was pretty much what I expected as well. Um, just, you know, as someone who was just watching, just learning the sport, just learning the team, just learning how the seasons work and all this other stuff. Um, I was just like, all right, let's just see how this goes. Let's just go with the flow. We'll move on. Like everything will be fine. Um, when Graham Potter left, I wasn't really upset by it. If anything, I was more upset for all the fans and for all the players because it just came as a shock to everybody. Like one person just yoinked up the entire like coach's base and just moved him over to another team. Like that, that was kind of like loyalty backstabbing in the middle of the season. And I could see why everybody was like super frustrated and upset and angry and worried and confused. And I'm over here just, you know, on my phone you know, kind of splitting between baseball and football, just going, man, if this happened in the, in the MLB, people would have pitchforks out at this point. 
um, we're very protective of our coaches. We don't let them leave halfway through the season. Like it's just not a thing here. Um, but I, I felt the passion that the fans had online. They're just like, why did he leave? Like, this is such a betrayal and whatnot. And then when Deserby came on, everybody was, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, me, we'll see how this goes. I've never heard of him. I've never like, you know, like he came from this place. Okay. Maybe he can do something. And for me, when he did come on and he was like starting to get everything together, get the uh, team to gel up again, I'm like, you know, I don't know anything, but I have a great feeling about this. This is going to turn out to be okay. And I was completely right. Um, It takes a few games to get people, you know, in the mood together, make sure that they're gelling well. Um, But just generally speaking, overall, the team seems to have a really good positive reaction with him. They worked with him despite like all of his language barriers. Like everybody just seems to have a, everybody seemed to have a positive attitude this year into making sure that they were able to get into that European spot. Um, and that was a really cool transformation to see you guys. Like they went from, okay, cool. We have, you know, we have Potter, everything's going to go okay to losing Potter and then freaking out. And then just finally towards the very end, like, Hey, everything kind of gelled out people that weren't able to make goals originally or were having struggles like finally made goals. Like for example, Solly March was getting a lot of shit online for that. Um, and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, if Deserby can do that, he can do anything, which is true. He totally can. And he totally will. We just have to watch this year. Um, but overall, definitely a season that I, again, could have seen coming. Um, and it just made me happy to see everyone like on the fan side, really happy, you know, uh, just having that push of like, hey, we get to do this extra thing this year. We get to go to like different countries. We get to experience football in a different place and whatnot. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I feel really, I don't know, like energized and excited for everyone else and including myself. I mean, I'm not, I'm probably not going to go on a European tour, you know, as much as I'd like to. It's expensive out here, um, but I will definitely be following. Like it's, it's going to be a great time. Brilliant. I love the, I love the positivity, and I mean, John, I've got to ask you about this. The positive mental attitude—it's a bit of a maybe it's a cliche, but that's the perception people have of Americans. Everyone's that can-do society and all the rest of it. And so, I, I think that obviously that has a load of benefits. In England, you've got this thing where you have the doom mongery. You know, like we're going to fuck it up. It's going to go wrong. We'll do that. Even Man City fans now still have that inbuilt embedded mentality from when they were third level or where they were screwing up in the top flight or whatever it might be of no we'll fuck it up um arsenal fans most of the arsenal fans i spoke to were going um, we're not getting excited about this and yeah they were right to in the end as it turned out but they were saying we're not going to win the title we'll screw it up definitely you know uh, do you reckon you guys do you think you are do you have that positive mental attitude is that part of it because dagan you said you were convinced we were going to have as good a season as we did. That's interesting. I mean, I don't think I don't know anyone that thought we were going to do quite as well as we did. We, maybe we thought we'd get seventh, eighth, ninth, but you know, if you're well, saying I mean, you we could, yeah, about look at the trajectory. Wow. So, looking at Bloom's ownership period, there was there's only been one season that was a a non promotion, like not starting in a new league. I discounted all those results, but where we were in the same level as the prior year, there was one year in Bloom's ownership where we dropped, I think 14 positions in the league, but 
at no other time had we dropped more than two positions from one year to the next. And the average over that time was a rise of about two and a half to three spots per year, consistently, reliably. And I just thought, so an average result would be at least a two position step up from last year. And realistically, the worst case was probably dropping a couple of spots, um, given, you know, just averages over time. And it seemed like things were building in that direction. And we sat in fourth when, when Potter left, um, had we not, you know, had to have that transition in the middle and not suffered those VAR results, it, this very easily could have been a Champions League season, not just a European season. I'm so only- glad you brought this up, Russ. And, and I, I was, I nearly texted you last night to say, can we talk about it? So I can't believe it's come up. It's brilliant. Oh. I, I concur completely with Dagan in terms of, I think so, I work, some of you who are listening and you guys, I work in psychology and behavioral science. So, so the, the, I think it's really important what Dagan said. I, I share that. The fact we didn't lose out because of the, the VAR call, Matoma and, and, uh, the one against Spurs as well. Um, well, that was the Spurs game. Anyway, we, we obviously had some bad VAR calls, but it didn't cost us. In theory, if you look at the table, it's not like we're two points off the Champions League thing. So that really, I think, is a, is a great thing. But here's something, guys, and I, I don't know what people listening or, or if anyone on the panel now sort of have got co- comments about it. But for me, it's been really interesting to think about the following. I think it was AJ maybe at the beginning or, or Dagan said about being an underdog. We've been an underdog and people like underdogs. And I'm going to compare us rather bizarrely to Newcastle for a minute. The, the Athletic do a number of great pods, Russ, which you probably maybe listen to if you subscribe. Oh, yeah. One of them is called Pod on the Tyne. It's it's a, the Newcastle one. There's a, a few clubs that get their dedicated podcast. And I listen to it religiously. And they had a really interesting discussion about the fact that their club under Mike Ashley has been underfunded and been fighting for ages and it's given them an identity of camaraderie and and uh a bit like us guys a bit like us we're we're the minnows it's david against goliath little old brighton and, and i don't think that's right but it's it's what's happened my point is whilst it was a great season last year and dagan pointed out about that slow but methodical increase do the math as they say over here I prefer maths with the SA. <laughs> and that is you cannot keep improving. Right. Man City, how are they going to improve? They win the title. It gets to a point where they're going to expect it. I put it out there that we as a fan base, doesn't matter if you're new or not, it is everybody who supports Brighton. We are going to have an interesting few years because we can't continue to have the kind of seasons we've had for the last few years. We may not get into the top four. We may, but we may not. How are we going to deal with that? How are we going to be, you know, will we turn and some fans get frustrated? It's a really interesting psychological situation, which Newcastle at length on their podcast were talking about. And I think many of those things are interesting if you're a Brighton fan as well, because it, it, it could happen. We're, we're being successful. And, you know, what happens if we bomb out of the Europa League and don't win any matches. I'm sure we'd be happy, but if that happens again and again and again in the years, how are people going to react? It's an interesting whole area as far as I'm concerned. Times change, perceptions change, don't they? Expectation, there's a number of fans, old school Brighton fans, who've started to have an entitled attitude. Small numbers in comparison to the 
larger fan base. But you're right. Even now, it's already changed a bit. You know, we should be beating teams like Aston Villa or whatever it might be. And you think, really? I'm not sure about that. They've spent about five times as much as we have. But, you know, it it, it is weird. It changes all the time, doesn't it? It is is strange, that. And I was talking about the mentality about Man City fans. You've got, uh, you know, we'll fuck it up and all that. But some of those people, the old schoolers are still like that. But there's others who are completely different. And for the Albion, if you look at the Albion, we've been in the in the Premier League now for six years, just about to start a seventh year and our first year in Europe. There's a generation of fans just starting to grow up who will have only been used to the Premier League. And if we do stay in the Premier League over the next few years, which I think we will do, th- there's going to be a sense of entitlement that's probably hard to angle those kids away from, no, ma- no matter how conscious the parents might be or whoever else is influencing those kids they might still think we don't want them to have a sense of entitlement but it's gonna be hard to avoid it they're not entitlement in terms of trophies obviously but in terms of being a a premier league team and the notion of going down getting into an everton scenario of this season something like that um there there could be some sort of complete breakdown going on for some fans here Uh, it's mad to think of it you know, we might go out of the Premier League. That's the worst thing in the world ever. You know, for us, that's just, oh, yeah, it was going to happen sometime. But the new generation, it'll, it'll be different. Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah, I know. Go, go ahead, Jack. Hmm. Well, this is certainly... Here we go. This is certainly suspicious. They, we might not be as positive in the UK, and uh, but we're certainly suspicious because I have literally got private dms i try and follow everybody who i think is a brighton fan i try just so they can dm me and and i have got public tweets and then private dms from people really annoyed that i am predicting something positive because i live as an optimist my life's generally brilliant because i decided to be brilliant and i have a fantastic life i'm 52 it's 51 it's been fantastic that I, i choose to take that view with the club but there are many people who perhaps as Dagan alluded to, don't want us to feel positive because they genuinely think that what I'm saying four and a half thousand miles away is going to change what's going to happen at the Amex at three o'clock on a Saturday. Utterly bizarre, but there's certainly some superstitious people. So yeah, the, the, yeah. people don't mind people being positive, but don't be too positive because you might muck up the actual result. <laughs> yeah, I definitely try to uh, to stay positive. I, I... Having been a Brighton fan for about 10 years now, I kind of do have a, a bit more of a pessimistic view in terms of I'm just hoping that going into Premier League seasons that we just stay up. So like coming into this past season, the first goal for my for my you know list was stay in the Premier League. I've been through you know the the relegation fights before. I remember the fights in the championship in the playoffs, so that's kind of always my first goal going into a season. Um, but yeah, with, with the stateside Seagulls account, you know, even though I have those, you know, feelings of, you know, just, just stay in the leagues, finish 17th, it'll be fine. Just keep where we are going. I, I definitely try to be more positive and that hopefully kind of embeds itself in me personally too, because, you know, I don't want to go on the stateside Seagulls account and people are like, oh, well, the fans in the, U- in the US are really mad about how things are going. They're so entitled, all that. I just kind of try to maintain a positive bad you know aspect of you know this team's doing all they can we have faith in the process and and hopefully things will turn around if they're going poorly or they'll continue to go well if we're doing well so it's just kind of using that as a sounding board for other folks to be able to be like you know this is 
something that's going to be a progression. It's not always going to be up. It's not always going to be down. And it also helps me out because, you know, I'm kind of a little bit more pessimistic than I probably should be. I you know, I just hope that we can stay in the league. Um, and I kind of try to use that as a way to let those positive thoughts kind of come out, even if I'm thinking a little bit more of a nuanced view inside, you know, my own mind. Oh, Paul, mate, you're you're getting neurotic. <laughs> this is great. Next thing you'll be moving over here and listening. That's what Brighton does to you. Enjoy division on a loop, <laughs> and then then you're fully committed. <laughs> <laughs> well, let let's before we wrap up the first part, uh, let's turn back to AJ. Let, let's get your thoughts on that on, on the season in general. Uh, thoughts on what's just been said, anything like that. What uh, what what are you thinking? Well, so my my high point my personal high point of the season comes after what many see as one of the low points, the, the penalty loss to Man U FA cup. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Next game against wolves thrashing. It's a huge, huge catharsis in my, in my mind of the season. You have that heartbreak of the single game. You have, Losing Potter mid-season, everyone's questioning where's where's the club going to go? Bring in Deserby. Personally, I I haven't seen a a manager, a coach more visibly excited, visibly um entered into the mind of the fans as Deserby. You see players score goals for say Manu, they score a goal. Manager, fist bump, clap, back to the dugout. Deserby's running down the touchline, getting in the celebrations. You you don't see managers as enthralled with the teams as Deserby. Back to the game. You lose in penalties against Man U. Go out against Wolves. Thrashing. Huge celebration. Then you go on win 1-0 against Man U. Now we're saying, okay, we can do this. We have a shot. We have a legitimate chance at Europe. What we're saying about exponential growth, not being able to continue to grow. We're seeing that stateside here for Detroit City. As I said, it's all been success up until moving from league to league to league as uh, NISA collapses, moving from uh, NPSL to NISA, now to USL. Um, it's been success, championships, trophies. The first year in USL for DCFC, you're looking at whole new level of competition. Where's, where's Detroit going to stack up and make the playoffs first year? Now this year it's struggles, lots of losses, lots of draws. And there's a lot of fans who are disappointed or upset with the lack of quality on the field and. It's something that we can, we can see happening for Detroit. And now looking ahead to Brighton, it's where can we go? How do we, how do we as fans combat as, uh, as John was saying, how do we combat mentally of hitting that wall of what do we do? Where can we go? How can we fix it? How do we move on? How do we approach the situation as, as fans? Um, I think it's a, it's a, Really, really intrinsic thing for us fans as we want all the success in the world, but obviously 
we have no outcome. We we cannot affect the game. It's the players, the managers, backroom staff. And in reality, for like I said, for me, uh Michigan, Detroit fan, it's lots of lots of losses, lots of heartbreak. So just sticking with the team uh to me is the most important thing. And uh having that sense of the camaraderie, uh stateside people in, in the UK uh, as fans is one of the one of the best things about the club. Yeah. Oh, great. Fantastic. And keep that Smith's playlist ready. <laughs> Those downbeat tunes just to cheer you down. <laughs> and uh, Paul, final word for the first half. So I think you did, you'd say a bit about it, I think, but uh, you're pretty delighted. You must've been pretty delighted with that, wasn't it? Uh, having been a fan for a few years now, uh, yeah, obviously the pinnacle so far, but um, it's it's a payoff, isn't it, amongst fans of other English clubs as well? Friends, friends of yours who support other clubs, you must have thought this is our moment, relatively speaking, at least. Maybe not with the Man City fans, you might not brag to them, but the rest of the rest of it, yeah, it's got to be a good moment, isn't it? Yeah, no, it it felt really good to be able to actually, especially once we got you know, toward 40 points. That's, you know, as I said, you know, once we're out of the relegation scrap, I'm happy. So it's just, you know, having that opportunity to not look down and just look up and to be able to be like, yeah, we can, we, we're not competing with, you know, with 18th, 19th, 20th. We're looking up to see if we can get into the Champions League at this point. And that just felt obviously like a whole other level of pressure, feeling disappointed with the results against, against Spurs with VAR getting in the way. But it's definitely a different feeling to be able to, to think about where we could go instead of where we might go downward. So that was really a, a nice feeling to be able to be like, you know, we're, we're putting the results in and we're getting the, the results that we deserve out of the performances that we're putting in. And it just really, it felt like things were finally coming to culmination that we had been working on for such a long time. Yeah. Fantastic. A good way to end part one. Now, we've got a certain little tour coming up, a uh, pre-season friendly tour to the States, uh, funnily enough. It's almost as if I've timed this on purpose like that, isn't it? So in part two, we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about our thoughts on the season ahead. That's coming up after we have a little bit of a break because, you know, we've been talking for the best part of an hour. Peter's probably had about five beers by now. Uh, the toilet or bathroom break, as you guys might say, is probably due at this stage. <laughs> so after this brief intermission, we will be back to talk about those subjects. And so to part two, we've all been to the bathroom, as they say in the States, <laughs> refilled our glasses. Um, I'm, of course, being sensible. I'm just having some 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 uh, grape juice, I think it's, it's called, something like that. Most of a bottle of grape juice, anyway. Uh, everyone else being sensible, dr- just drinking juices, I'm sure. You, it's earlier in the day, of course. What's that, John? What have you got there? Just water, mate. Water? Blimey, I'll have to sort that out when you come to the Caxton next time. <laughs> anyway, speaking of John, uh, before we get into talk of what's coming up in pre-season and the new season, let's talk about what's coming up, literarily speaking. Uh, John, you've got a book coming out. Tell us about it. I have, Russ. Thank you. Yeah, um, I haven't got quite a date for it, but I'm looking towards the end of September as we discussed in part one, it was a historic season, a, a great experience. 
And I decided to try and, um, yeah, uh, memorize, put down on paper uh, the memories from each of our 46 games. So the book's called Winds, Grins and Limbs. Uh, it is a poetic journey through the 22-23 season. Um, it will be out in uh, late September, early October. Um, and uh, yeah, if anybody's interested, thanks for giving me a chance to plug it. I've now got a website, thebrightonbard.com. If you go there and just uh, give me your email address, I'll make sure you'll be uh, amongst the first to know when it's out. Um, yeah, it's it's there's a it's quite a it's it's, it's sort of a overview of the whole game so i've got the obviously the 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 scores the the um weather the attendance the referee the, the both teams and then as well as a um introduction to the game just in normal text um i do a pre-match rhyme 15 in-match rhymes and then a post-match rhyme so it's a poetic journey and uh over 800 new poems uh for each of the 46 games so it's been a labor of love um but if anyone's interested we're hoping to be raising money for the BHAFC Foundation, formerly AITC. And uh, yeah, more news later in the summer. But thebrightonbard.com, if people are interested, thanks for letting me mention it. I look forward to doing a little rhyme at the end of the, um, at the, end of the call. Fantastic. It's, miss- it's missing a major ingredient, though. Uh, the beer tallies of, uh, of Peter and I on each match day. <laughs> lost um, count would be the tally there, wouldn't it, in your case? <laughs> There's a maximum 300 pages. <laughs> <laughs> superb. No, that, that's superb. And, uh, of course, we anticipate that greatly. I, I should be getting my copy of that one, definitely. Um, I, sh- I won't be, unfortunately, due to budgetary reasons, be coming over for the American tour. But, of course, the Albion are finally, after I think about something like three years in the offing, they finally got round to confirming a tour of the States. They're going to three venues this summer as part of the pre-season build-up to the new Premier League campaign. I'm sure you guys are going to try and get there, aren't you? Some, somewhere, at least to some of the games. Um, it's it's starting soon, isn't it? Just quickly, Peter, the dates. What, what were the dates? It starts Saturday week, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, it's the first game I've lost. I think it's like lost it. But yeah, Saturday week. Um, so the 22nd. Then the Wednesday, then the Friday, I think, is the seems to be the dates of British time anyway. Maybe not. Um, the Friday might not be American time. Might be confusingly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so who's going? Who's going to what? I mean, Paul. First of all, are you going to any of the games? Yeah, I'm actually going to all three games. So I'm, yes. I'm taking the whole week off work, and I'm going to each of the games. Fantastic and great. And are you going to places you haven't been to as a result of that as well? No. So I actually. One of the games is in Atlanta on Wednesday, the 26th, I believe it is. And I just actually went there for the first time two weeks ago. So right. knock that out. So I did some recon there first, and now I'm going to Atlanta again in a couple of weeks. Or actually, yeah, in a couple of weeks. And then Philadelphia, I live about two hours away from there. And New York, about three, four hours away. So I've been to those two cities a couple of times already. That's like going to away games in England. It's not too far to travel. It's all right. It's not too bad, is it? Yeah, brilliant. AJ, are you going to any of the games? Are you going to be able to make it? No, unfortunately, I'm a little bit further out. Um, yeah, yeah. Stuck in Michigan. Um, I will be trying my best to follow along, but work constraints and uh, some family constraints uh, preventing me from going. I don't think it's just going to be a unique event. I think they'll be going over for a few trips, I should imagine. It's a pretty, pretty much a staple thing, isn't it, for a lot of Premier League clubs? And now that we're on, we're in the loop, I reckon. Yeah. Um, we do stay, I, I think, in the Prem. I think we'll be going on future occasions. We, we do have actually a 
Premier League team here in Michigan uh, coming up on the 30th of this month. Uh, Crystal Palace is oh, playing Sevilla at uh, I knew you were going to say Crystal Palace. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. Uh, so, yeah, they're playing uh, Sevilla. Um, well, you've got to go. You've got to go wearing that away top that you're wearing now, <laughs> or preferably a home top in case anyone's confused, just to make sure they know you're a Brighton fan. <laughs> You got to go for it, AJ. Come on, come on. <laughs> I might, I might go in, uh, probably in a Brighton top and maybe a Sevilla hat. We'll see. Yes, I like that. That's nice. Dagan, what about you? Are you going to get to any of the games? I am. I'm, I'm beyond excited. I'm going to be heading up to Philly, which I actually haven't visited Philly before, even though it's only a little over four hours away from me. Um, I have been to Atlanta several times and I'm going to be going back to Atlanta. I think it's like an eight hour drive. Um, but I have been there a couple of times before. I'm not going to make it to the the last uh, New Jersey game, but two out of three is not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. And Sonny, are you going to go to any? Any chances? Yeah, so um, I originally was going to go to Philadelphia, then I couldn't go, and now I'm suddenly going, so I'm going to go to that. Um, the game that I am for sure going to go to is the one in New Jersey. Um, and then I believe this weekend or coming up soon, we have the MLS All-Star Game. And none other than Arsenal will be playing all the MLS uh, All-Stars. So we will have a bunch of football stuff happening this week in D.C. And I'm very excited. Superb, superb. I, I, I was so tempted to go. I knew this this trip was going to come up one year. It was postponed or something that wasn't quite working. The next year, the same thing. And then as, as it started to materialize for this summer, I thought, oh, I really want to go. And then, of course, we started looking like we we're going to get into Europe. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to have a big problem trying to convince my wife to go to go to the States at all. And then Europe as well. And I can't miss the European games, or at least... Yeah, it's the same for me, I think. If it wasn't for Europe, I'd have been much more tempted and been up for going. But money-wise and leave-wise and just generally kind of wanting to go to all the European games is is like kind of overtaking it. But another year, if there's another American tour and we're not in Europe, I'd be very tempted. I think there will be, and I'm definitely up for going. I'm so gutted I can't go because it's coincided with a a load of other expenses. We'll have to go and drink the US dry rust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, get some more beer in, guys. And John, what about you? Are you going to be able to get to any of that, Russ? If you asked me three hours ago, the answer was a hundred percent no. I knew I wasn't. However, I've just realised um, we're going. My wife and I are going on holiday on the Sunday, and we're flying via Charlotte, which isn't a million miles from Philadelphia, where we play on the Saturday night. So mm. she's away at the moment in California. I just called her and said, "Listen, what do you reckon?" So. We might be, I was on the phone to American Airlines just a few hours ago. I might, might, I'd say 50-50. I might be able to get to the Saturday night game a week tomorrow and then we'll fly out um, on holiday on the uh, on the Sunday. So, yeah, possibly, possibly, I hope so. Why not? And as you guys were saying off air earlier, you're going to see some of the stars that we've just signed before we do. So, you know, yeah, it's kudos. You're going to, you're going to get the edge. Give us a review. Yeah, now, makes, makes now what you need to do is if anyone misses a shot, they're basically terrible. That's the, <laughs> that's the Brighton way. Even if they do it, they've had one touch all game and they've had a bad touch, they're awful and we should waste the money already. Yeah, don't forget, you, you write people off after one mistake. Yeah. That's 100%. You've got to do that's that. That's the Brighton way. We're, we're definitely the, the way we do it. <laughs> 
and well, I mean, it, it's obviously it's a, it's a festival of sport. People get a chance to see the team, but they may not normally, whether it be you guys or it be expats such as John. Um, it's going to be it's it's going to be great. It'll be a, a great occasion. We've not done it before as a club. I'm just gutted I can't be there, but it, it's going to be it's going to be a great thing. And it's the lead up to this great season where we're going to have a European campaign. And we could, who knows, I doubt it, but who knows, we could even do better than last year. I'm going to turn to Dagan here. Dagan, you you were convinced we would have our best ever season, more than any of us were, and you were right. Assuming you're telling us the truth, this is, of course. <laughs> the receipts are on Twitter. The receipts are on Twitter. They're all there. Fair play, fair play. I've got to ask you, therefore, and be honest, don't try and uh, distort it. What's your genuine thoughts for this coming season. Let's go to you, first of all, for this golden question. Shockingly, I'm very optimistic. Um, great. I, I love it. Can we get him back on? He's great, isn't he, Peter? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it is. I mean, I must admit, I, I, see, I see the reasons for being optimistic this season more than maybe last year. I wasn't the biggest fan of Posse, but generally this year it's kind of, there is more reason. On the other hand, obviously the teams above us have spent a lot of money and we've lost one one of our best players. Colwell's not back yet. If he is coming back, looking unlikely, and we may well lose Casado. That's where, I think that's where my worry is and with European football as well. I think there's still three or four signings they need to make before I feel like really optimistic. But I mean, Dagan said we're going to do better. It depends what he means. I would be so happy if, with if it that. Means I'd be trying to table and a good run in Europe, to be honest. Yeah. I'd take 16th in the table if we win a trophy. We've never won a major trophy. That might be what you're talking about. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, th- I think Deserby's true to his word. I trust him. He wants to do well in every competition, and I think we're building a squad with the depth to do that. Yeah. Um, we didn't have it last year, but it's what's going to be intriguing is, you know, if we move Caicedo, it, it seems like the links that have been established, we're going to, we're going to pick up another couple of big, big players. Um, perhaps at least another one beyond, you know, Pedro's sort of uh, transfer fee. Um, you know, kudos, I think being sort of first on, on the list of those and, you know, talking about a left footed, you know, right winger to give us some depth behind Sally because no one really excelled in that spot. Sarmiento did reasonably well. Um, oh, we've got, we might have news from, from Bart. Ooh. Let's go to the Bard. Hot I've off got some press. breaking news. The club this is, just, by the way, um, we're recording this on Friday at uh, 8.30 UK time, whatever that is in the various areas in the in the, in the States. It's 8.30 on Friday night, and the Bard has breaking news. Well, it's, it's, it's a confirmed signing for the January window. We've agreed an agreement with FCV Farrell, Constana to sign Romanian winger Adrian Mazulu in the January transfer window. Yeah, the club have just tweeted that, so it's obviously something that's uh, six months away. Um, yeah. uh, apparently, Palace were interested in him as well, and we've beaten Palace to him. Was the uh, rumor I read? Yeah. yeah, there was a few. He wasn't one of the biggest um, names that's been banded around, but he certainly was mentioned the last few days, wasn't he? Yeah, it's one of the typical Albion signings, isn't it? That no one would get excited with now, but six to eight to ten months later, everyone's suddenly getting excited, like they did with the NCC yeah. or people like that. That's what we're well, hoping will happen here. Weirdly, we give them the reputation of all our signings. You know, they seem to be have quite a high reputation. I'm actually most excited about Adingra 
in a way. Mm. The stuff he did yeah. in Belgium last year, but you know, more that his stats are so much better than Matoma's. And yeah. he is, you know, they've, they've been tweeting a bit of like clips of him in training, and he looks so just genuinely raw pace and having someone we can revert to with Mitsumer as well, the two of them alternating because Mitsumer played far too much last year and looked a bit knackered by the end. Having the, you know, the alternative where one starts and the other one's on the bench and vice versa. I mean, the strength we have in the front four, front front four is amazing. I, really, I you look at the, the backup. The signings we're getting, it's not for the quantity or the perceived quality of who these people are. I'm loving the fact every time we sign someone now, the likes of our dearly beloved friends, Crystal Palace and beyond, are looking and they're assuming now that whoever we've signed is going to be some kind of amazing talent for the future, maybe in six months or a year or two years. But yeah. they, they're probably thinking, oh, I don't know who that is, but that's going to be good, isn't it? That's really and, annoying for us. And also this I'm is what, that. what Dagan was saying about the, you know, they're probably going to sign someone for bigger money than Pedro. Well, I mean, Colwell supposedly we bid more money for him than we paid for Yal Pedro already. Yeah, Even if it's turned down, it's still, there mil, is that money available. Hmm. You know, it's kind of they may not want to spend it all on someone else, but they've got the money there. I think Colwell would be such a good signing. Yeah, on the basis though, I'd I'd pay, I'd definitely go to forty for him. What you personally would pay? I would personally pay that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just need to call my bank manager. <laughs> no, but I think Tony Bloom would see the investment value of that as well because he's, and he's already player. played in our system as well. We know he works with the system. Yeah. We don't have the risk value of bringing in someone yeah. who might or might not work out well. Yeah, yeah. So, Dagan, you've you've got high high thoughts for this season, Sonny. I think you were, you had your hand up. You were itching to say something earlier. I think I, I may have may have misread that. But either way round, let's get your views. How do you think we're going to do this season? Ooh, okay. So normally I'm optimistic. Normally optimistic. I'm going to go with, I have a strange feeling we're going to go the way of West Ham this year. You've so, been listening to the Smiths. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, all I say that because as much as we want to be focused on all areas of the competition, and I'm pretty sure RDZ will prove me wrong a thousand percent, um, I feel like we'll somehow do better in the Europa League when we, than we will be on the table. We'll probably get a we'll probably get a trophy this year, but we will probably suffer a little bit in Premier League standings. Which you know, honestly, I'm okay with the trade off. I'm I'm pretty okay with the trade off. Um, really, we should be going for 100 percent everywhere across the board, no matter what. But if we're going to be like realistic here for a split sec, then I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think it will go some way along there. I think because Deserby's about a manager than Moyes, I think we can do a bit better than West Ham did in the league. But I think, largely speaking, I think you're on the right tracks. I think we can go a long way in this tournament. We could win it, or we could get knocked out and go into the conference and win that, which is what West Ham did. It's going to be tough. There's some very good teams in the Europa League, but I... I would take that trade-off as well, definitely, 100%. Peter, would you take I, that? I, I like the principle of the um, Europa Conference League idea that if we drop down, but you have to remember there's Aston Bloody Villa in there. Oh, bogey teams. Oh, man. We never, literally never beat them. Do you, do, you have, do you guys have bogey teams in the States, that, or this expression, bogey teams? Yeah. Oh, it's a nightmare, isn't it? We've, <laughs> we've got too many of them. 
<laughs> Have you noticed that? Crystal Palace are kind of a little bit like that. Aston Villa, Burnley. Bournemouth until this season were one. Bournemouth until this season. Oh, man. It's, it's too many. And then you have got West Ham. We literally haven't lost to in the last 12 games now it is. So, this is phenomenal. Yeah. But I, I'm, honestly, I think, Sonny, you're, I, I think you're on the right track. So, I think it's going to be something like that. It's going to be so hard, isn't it, to manage all these extra games, uh, the exhaustion. We We have what I would probably call a... An average season as far as injuries went. We had a f- couple of long-termers, a couple of other long-termers, a couple of shorter ones. Probably what people would expect from a season. I don't think we were lucky. I don't think we were unlucky. I just hope we're not particularly unlucky when we're stretched because that, that could really start to cause us some problems. But I think if we have an average level of luck in the injury front, I think we'll do a bit better than West Ham in the league. And we might might just win one of those European trophies that we're eligible for. Who knows? Paul, let's go back to you. Sorry, I should call you Glenn, shouldn't I now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I think so. First and foremost, obviously, like I mentioned before, staying in the league. That's kind of my priority. Uh, but no, I think that I think that like Sony said, I think that we're going to have a little bit of a regression in the Premier League this year just because of being in the Europa League as well, just having that extra focus somewhere else. So I and think maybe the teams do are going to rise up, aren't they? Exactly. Exactly. Chelsea, so, yeah. I think that you know realistically, we're probably you know my target is probably somewhere between seventh and twelfth. Yeah. Um, I know that's kind of a pretty big range, but yeah, I think that, I don't think that we're going to be in a relegation scrap, but I think that we are going to probably not finish sixth again this year. Um, I do think that we will. Like, I know that Roberto, like, how disappointed he was losing against Charlton in the Carabao Cup, for example. I think that he's going to definitely not take any plays off, not take any games off, and he's going to really focus on doing as well as we can in each competition. So I'm not concerned about, you know, we're going to, you know, write off the Carabao Cup and really focus on the Europa League or vice versa. I think he's going to put everything that he can into each competition. And hopefully, like Dagan was mentioning with the depth, I think that's going to be a huge, huge point of emphasis this season on you know just making sure that we are capable of having a team that's able to compete in each competition that we're in so i think that we're going to be able to take everything that we can into each competition hopefully we can maintain our form in the premier league but i think that there is going to be just with being stretched so thin with all of the competitions we're in a little bit of a regression there hopefully we can get into the knockout stages and beyond in the europa league and then hopefully we can make some cup runs in either the league or the uh, the FA Cup. AJ, I'm going I'm going to make a really random point here. I, I was lucky enough to go on a safari trip uh, to Tanzania. It was great, and we we went and we we saw some animals. And the next day, we saw some different stuff, and we basically ended up seeing everything we wanted to see. And one time, we met this American couple actually in this safari camp thing, and they said, "Oh, did you see the leopards?" We said, "No." Oh, you got to see the leopards. And we, we saw the leopards and met them back at the fireplace afterwards. And they said, Oh, we saw the cheetahs. Did you see the leopards? Yeah, we saw the leopards. Oh, we've seen the cheetahs now. Oh, okay. Well, I've got to see that. Oh, no, it's the other way around. Actually, it was cheetahs than leopards. But anyway, we were out and we, we turned up at this venue and there was thousands of, it seemed to be thousands of people all back. That's an exaggeration. It was hundreds of people all um, in their Jeeps with their cameras trying to get a photo of something in the long grass. We didn't know what it was. It was a leopard. 
people had seen it, but they didn't, they hadn't got a view of it. And this whole anticipation about leopards. And we thought, can we get this? Can we not get it? And it felt like the anticipation was just killing. And I can't quite remember where I was going with this anecdote. It's gone right off the rails. But the point is, <laughs> the point is, can you, can you anticipate something and can it really be realized? That's my way of blagging my way out of forgetting what I was going to say. In other words, can we, can we get the first trophy? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. The first trophy, it was the unsaid thing. We were all waiting to see if we could see the leopard and nobody said that's what we're looking for is a leopard, but that's what everyone was looking for. And Brighton fans and Palace fans are both looking for that first trophy. I finally found what I was trying to say here. Thank you guys for persevering. Um, <laughs> we're both looking for that first trophy. Nobody's saying it. Well, I've just done it now, but anyway, but no one was saying it before now. Could we be the first ones to grab a major trophy, whether it be domestic or European? And could we be bragging forevermore, as Chelsea do, about other London clubs with the Champions League? So I'm looking right now at the access list uh, for the Europa League. Uh, right now, confirmed qualified for the group stage for Europa League this year. West Ham, Liverpool, and Brighton from England. Uh, Italy boasts uh, Roma and Atalanta. Spain boasts Villarreal, Real Batiste. Uh, Germany's representatives are Bayer Leverkusen and Freiburg. France has Rennes and Toulouse, and Portugal has Sporting. Hmm. Quite tricky. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So out of those, obviously, Liverpool, West Ham have to go through. Everyone has to go through them at some point. Roma, really good in cup competitions, especially the European competitions. Um, Lever Leverkusen's a little streaky. Freiburg hasn't really been tested. Toulouse is okay. Rennes is okay. Sporting is always good on their cup runs. Um, same with, uh, Real Batiste. Uh, and Villarreal, obviously, uh, just this past couple seasons have had really, really good European runs. Um, so really you're looking at four or five teams that we have to get through. How, how is the team going to play against pressure? We like playing out of the back. We like setting up from the keeper going upfield. Spain and Italy generally are really, really good high press teams. Um, so how, how does, how does the club, how does Deserby plan against high press and how does the team execute it is going to be a key, especially for the Europa League run. Yeah. I think two things there. First of all, commendations for not falling asleep during the longest question in history. Uh, secondly, uh, Tim Vickery, the South American expert, he's an English guy living in Rio, said that it, things are about moments. And I think what you've just said there about this high press and how we either do or don't get around that, it's going to be those moments that are actually going to be the moments in this game. Usually it's moments as in a brilliant shot, a key mistake, Steven Gerrard's slip against Chelsea, that kind of thing. But in this case, it might be about moments of pressure at the back. Can we do the studs up, trick them in, successfully get round them? We, we're used to doing it a little bit now against the English teams, but we haven't done it against those other sides you just said, 
from elsewhere in Europe who are very good at doing that, the high press, that's going to be a big challenge. And maybe maybe if we do win a trophy, it's to do with when, if we fall, when we fall. If we fall early enough, we are in the Europa Conference League, and I think we're favourites to win that. But if we go into the later stages, I can't see us winning the trophy. Especially when you got if you get some quite decent third place teams dropping down from the Champions League as well. Exactly, you got I, that as well. Yeah. I think what we will have this year is at least really good sub options going forward. I think we've struggled over the years quite often, even with first choice attackers. But you know, you look at the players who, you know, even people like players like Enciso and Yao Pedro, given mm-hmm. our maybe our first choice front four and everyone's fit, won't be in the first choice team. But, you know, Sarmiento, Welbeck, we'll have options off the bench to bring on to will actually. And also to swap round as well when we need to. I mean, to keep it. I'm still slightly worried defensively that we don't have the depth and we need to get two or three defenders in. But going forward, we're actually, we've actually got some really strong players, even if we don't sign anyone. And, you know, you look at some of the options we've had over the years where pretty limited players have been first choice. And, and I can't wait to see Evan Ferguson in Europe. I think he's going to dominate it. Yeah. Opinions from whoever here, uh, please put your hands up give you your thoughts but we've signed Milner we've got um Mahmoud Tahoud <laughs> what a great name that is by the way fantastic um we've got uh young Mazilo although he's he's coming back in January after a, a loan period because he's 17 isn't he uh we've signed someone else as well who, who else we signed? Got- and Miguel Pedro yes yeah of course yeah yeah and also of course Lewis uh, Dunk and Jean-Paul Van Hecker have signed new deals uh, we don't know how long Jean-Paul Van Ecker's deal is because the club haven't actually said, which is very weird. Um, Lewis Dunk's contract, what's that, Peter? Is that, how long is that, two years? Three it? years. Three years. Mm. I think he already had two years left, so he like extended it by one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we do still need to strengthen, particularly in defence, don't we? There's going to be other signings. Of course there is. I'm and really glad to say, though, if he does go. That's the... Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I'm, re- I'm really glad we've done business so early on the ones that we have done but I do think we need to do others as well don't we I, I don't know if you guys will agree with that and uh, also in terms of who you'd like to see come in have you got any anyone in particular or, or just positions in general you think we need to fill uh, who wants to go first on that one anybody Shall well, I start off then again so I, I, um, I was going to say about the hood because I think he sounds like someone if he stays fit could be an incredible signing on a free transfer he was playing regularly for Dortmund until last season, pretty much, and had an injury. And then, I mean, they had some pretty good players in such a midfield Dortmund to keep them out, as in Bellingham and one others. So if he gets to keep fit and gets back towards the form he had at Dortmund, we could have a, a brilliant signing on our hands, especially a free transfer. Yeah, let's hope so. I, he, he's lost his way a little bit, and if he can get his way back, then we're in for a treat. That could be fantastic. Um Anyone else got any thoughts on the season? I mean, I, we've seen some other signings, by the way. Obviously, Arsenal have spent big. We were assuming, has, has it actually been completed, this Declan Rice deal? No. The longest deal in Premier League history. And that's, that's, quite, that's quite an accolade as well. There's been some deals that have gone on for Oh, this is forever. ridiculous, isn't it? What are, what are they arguing about? The small print or something? I don't, it's just the lawyers crazy. or something, yeah. There's some sort of lawyer issue. or Yeah. I mean, they're spending a lot. Assuming that goes through... They've signed Havertz, I think they've overpaid for him, but that's, what, £170 million in two players? Plus they got Timber today as well, yeah, for £40 so million. 200 mil or so. 
unprecedented numbers for Arsenal. City, of course, we know all about them. Liverpool have spent some money on some some midfielder who looks quite good, doesn't he? McAllister might be quite a good signing. Um, <laughs> there's a lot a lot of people have really stepped on. I don't think we need to worry about that. If we drop down, as we were talking about earlier, if we drop down a few places because of our European campaign, we're fine with that. Uh, other people are spending crazy money. We're expecting it. But as long as we can finish somewhere in mid-table, I'll be happy, or thereabouts. Um, but we do need more defensive cover, don't we, guys? We, we need more more in left-back, or left-sided centre-back, maybe another midfielder. What do we think? Who, who's thinking what about this? Dagan, have you got your hand up there? I, 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 I do. Uh, <laughs> I have fallen in love with the transfer window. Um, and have taken to making yet another spreadsheet. So if you if you guys oh have, well, you should get a job time. at Sky Sports News in England. You, you'd be loved. <laughs> uh, I think we have maybe it's up to ninety one different uh, transfer uh, potential transfers that we've been rumored so far. Um, so that Google sheet is there for anybody who wants to take a deep dive. Uh, I've included like links to YouTube videos when it seems like it's a more you know serious link. Um, so just try to, I've been enjoying learning about so many players and so many other leagues. Um, but I would agree. I think right back, we, we need some additional depth at right back, the sort of left footed center back. We've been linked to Igor, um, reasonably in those reasonably and excuse me, recently. And, uh, I think those links seem pretty viable and it would make sense if we feel like Colwell is looking less likely. Mm. Um, the thing that came out today too, Lamptey is in Deserby's plans, um, but I still think we would need some cover. So it may not be as high profile a player like Sasha Bowie, who we were linked to early in the window. We might see someone. Um, oh gosh, there's a, oh, the guy we were linked to today. Holm, I think is his, his last name. Yeah. Um, yeah from like uh, Spe- 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 Spezia or Spezia or something like that. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, and he seems like he'd be a more cost effective sort of competitive option versus a surefire this is our new starting right back, but I think that would be okay. Um, just to have an additional player whose primary position is right back seems like something we need. Um, depending what happens with Caicedo, a, a more of a CDM character would be the other thing that I would say we would need to spend on. Um, Dion Lopez. I, I quite like a left back as well, because we, at the moment we've only really got Estepinian. It's no one really else. Well, I, th- I think we might end up with a left, a left center back that's capable of playing out wide. Mm. Right. I mean, I think Igor fits that description. Um, Medina, Medina, we've been linked with fits that description. Um, because easily we could still go with, you know, Van Hecke and Dunk or Webster and Dunk as our, as our two in the back. And Dunk plays that left side, you know, ably well as well. I think John had something to say earlier. John, did you have something to say? Yeah. Well, other than saying from a very personal perspective, I thought Mahmoud Dahoud was the, uh, most, uh, fantastic signing from a, from a poetry perspective um i was going to i was going to say bring up the keeper i think we we've missed the keepers out i mean it's really interesting with rob sanchez what's he doing we've signed bart we've also let someone we we let um who did we we let a keeper go this week i believe i think um we sold one of the uh and sure went out on loan to yeah, Austria. Was loan. but it's a big i mean i think sanchez got pretty lucky with the ride he was given I think to say he's not interested in being a reserve he's skating on thin ice I mean there was talk about Chelsea getting him but they've looks like they're getting uh, they've, they've I think they've nearly signed um a new keeper now so 
Yeah, what about the keepers? I mean, what do you do? He's with got their... to go. Sanchez yeah, has I mean, got to go. Yeah, not, no. I, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I think well, you should leave. I agree. I mean, it just, I hate people that aren't team players. And that's like, I like goalies. They're great. They're fantastic people. 10 out of 10. They're either the people that make the team or break the team. Um, but with Sanchez and how he was reacting when he got dropped out of the plans with the Zerbi this past season, that, that was totally unacceptable. I mean, you have Jason Steele who was sitting there patiently waiting, supporting his man, no matter what. And then all of a sudden it switches on you. You're no longer, you're on the bench. Your man is over here, like out doing his thing because Deserby's like, Hey, he is someone that can fit my plans, you know? And it was never a matter of, oh, I don't like him just because I don't like him. I don't like him because of this, that. It was because either A, he wasn't applying himself, or B, he just wasn't getting used to Deserby's style. And that alone, like, you got to go. Like, if you're not going to be a team player, get out of the club. I I can't respect people that would just absolutely go, nah, I don't like this. I don't like the fact that I'm sitting on the bench and then just, like, have a meltdown like on the side or whatever, and just not show up to practice, not show up to support the team, not even show up to just sit on the bench during games. Like that's kind of fucked up if you really think about it, you know? I could not agree with you more, Sonny, because I I think it's it's about this whole thing about the goalkeepers union and people support each other. And apparently this is a big thing. They're really good. There's a lot of camaraderie and it's obviously not being a two-way thing here. Steele must have been doing that. He's been sitting there, as you said, patiently waiting for what season of, after season to wait for his chance. He gets it, and it, his yeah, the guy he's been supporting has just gone AWOL. And you know, it's not as if it's a bad season and things have gone wrong and they wanted to change things up. Things were going well, and he could have just been a passenger, admittedly, in the last few weeks. But there, as part of the celebrations, our greatest ever season mm. so far. And he would have still been liked and loved for yeah. taking that with good grace. And yet, yeah. because he opted not to be on the bench to support his man that had been supporting him all the way through that time. I, yeah, unless I'm missing something here, unless there's yeah. stuff that's right. not been represented. I, I agree completely. I it's but, um, he also left us liable that if Steele got an injury or yeah. got sent off in a game, we'd be relying on a player with no... About I think about thirteen games in professional football and yeah. none in the Premier League as our keeper for the rest of, in what could have been really crucial games and that's yeah I I agree unforgivable and, as far as I'm concerned yeah. even if he wanted to go why not wait till the season and just say look I need to go if I'm not going to get first team football but why not wait till it's like five games left anyway yeah not only did no not only did did Sanchez have Steele who had been so patient behind him waiting for his opportunity especially after what he had to go through at Sunderland but Sanchez also benefited from exactly the same thing when Matty Ryan was dropped for him. So he would, you would think that he would have experience with that and understand that, you know, it's not just a personal thing. It's, you know, it's just kind of how these things go. You benefited from the same exact thing. And now Jason Steele's coming in in the same way that you came in for Matty Ryan. So you would think that he would at least kind of understand it from that perspective, but it, it doesn't seem to be that case. Yeah. Tragically, I think you're right. Yeah, so uh, there there might be some issues a goal pack a uh, goalkeeping position there. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. And there's many more things to discuss. Amir said he's going to come back and he wants to do part two of the American thing. Maybe after the uh, the preseason tour. I don't know who might want to come back for that. Any of you guys up for that? Uh, do you know Amir by the way? 
Does any of you, any of you guys met him or seen him online? Yeah. Yeah, he's, I think he's going to be at Philadelphia in New York, so it's going to be the first time I've met him. But, yeah, we've been chatting online for years now. Yeah, oh, I'm glad because he's such a good guy. What a lovely guy. He came over to the UK. Uh, we met him in London. He was staying in London for a couple of days, which is where I live. And um, we met up with him and his wife. And then he was staying in Brighton and we went down to the game. Unfortunately, it was a game where we lost at home to Southampton. Not the best of scenarios but he met Ali Reza Jahanbach who's from the got the same uh, ancestral origins as him uh, so that was kind of cool as well so he got a chance to speak to him but he's a lovely guy and if you're listening Amir we'll get you on the next one definitely but I also just want to pay a tribute to Nikki Palmer friend of mine didn't know her that well but I knew her well enough to share a few good laughs and a few good memories um Quite a few listeners to this podcast will know her better than I do. Uh, and as such, a number of us were at her funeral uh, yesterday as we speak. That's Thursday. And obviously it's always a sad affair when anyone's passed away and you obviously shed a tear and you, you feel sorry for having lost them. But this was a unique experience for me. I think it's the, the trend now more to try and make things a celebration of life rather than a, a morning of the passing of someone and this couldn't have been much more so uh, it really was she was a larger than life character she made people smile she was always smiling she was a lovely soul she was a lovely person she was an Albion fan that's how I know her um, for anyone that knows Crispy's Tim um, she got into the Albion through him and he gave a lovely tribute at her funeral um, and then she knew quite a few people through the Albion and that's how I met her and I loved her, I thought she was great and uh, such a lovely person but she passed away through cancer um, she'd already had some and fought it off she had some more giving her a uh, shorter lifespan that she knew about but it suddenly got a lot shorter than expected and she was given a very very short notice uh, diagnosis, prognosis um, and she passed away after that last bit of news literally just a week or two later. So we went to her funeral. From estimates I was working out, I think there must have been a good 300 people there. 30 or so turning up in Albion tops as requested. The rest of the people turning up in casual wear, bright summer shirts and the rest of it. Nobody in black. There were no flowers. She had a wicker basket for the cremation. Uh, very much a modern style funeral. Uh, but it was a great event for the celebration of her life. Obviously, we're sad that she's passed away, but it was great that we could celebrate her life and so many people could be there. I, th I was touched by that. I thought it was great, and I, I hope anyone that was there um, had, if I may say so, a good time because I think that's what she would have wanted. She was very much all about parties, fun, excitement, joy, and entertainment, and that's what we made it. Um, the wake, it's basically turned into the equivalent of a of a birthday party. You know, there was cake, there was food, there was music, there was speeches, there was laughter. I'm sure that's how she would have liked it. So rest in peace, Nikki. You will be missed by all who knew her. And on that subject, or connected to it, uh, I met up with a few people I haven't seen for quite a while, Albion fans, including Keith Tompkins, who is a regular listener to the pod. Hello again to you, Keith. But also, I'd like to say hello to your brother, Gary, who you have got into the podcast as well, listening from all the way over the other side of the pond in Canada. Seems an appropriate time to mention that uh, with our stateside episode. Um, hello to Gary. Hope you keep listening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and um, spread the word. Please do. Um, so... 
yeah, uh, also I'll give a shout out to the Lockies, Mr. and Mrs. Lockie, Marcus and Yvonne. Love you guys. It was great to uh, to catch up with you as well, albeit in sad circumstances yesterday. And also to my great friends, Karen and Graham. Also to Graham's brother, Neil, and his parents as well. To Ian, to Dover, and to Crispies, the aforementioned, who were all there. Also Yvonne's brother, Trevor. Hello to any of you guys that are listening. Uh, it was good to see you guys, albeit in those sad, sad circumstances. And also to Laura, Irish Mark, Greg, and Beanie. Um, but I want to give the last word to John because John, you, you, you started part two talking about your book. Remind us again, by the way, for anyone that hasn't been taking notes, if you haven't, why haven't you been taking notes of the website address and the way to get hold of the book, which is. Thanks, Russ. It's called Wins, Grins and Limbs, a poetic review of our 22-23 season. Um, it's going to be available on the normal channels. Um, but right now, if people are interested in getting uh, information, just go to thebrightonbard.com and uh, subscribe to a little newsletter. And I'll just send out information as it develops, aiming for it to be out late September, early October. Uh, uh, every single of our 46 games is covered and uh, hopefully it'll be a good memory for Albion fans. Fantastic. And you are on Twitter, of course. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you all to shout out your Twitter handles if people want to follow. That's assuming you want them to follow, of course. Uh, but yours, John, is? I'm the Brighton Bard, both on Twitter, threads and Instagram. The Brighton Bard. We are, of course, at Brighton Rock Pod. Sonny, what, what are you on there? <laughs> on Twitter, I am at underscore S-O-N-I-M. So my nickname, Thank underscore you. Sony M. Dagan, what are you? <laughs> uh, similarly, Twitter, Instagram threads, uh, BHA fan USA. Excellent. AJ, over to you, sir. On my Twitter is uh, at Saints underscore LAX31. It's a holdover from my collegiate athletics days. Fantastic. And Paul, Stateside Seagulls. Yep. So you can follow Stateside Seagulls on Instagram. Uh, Twitter threads, BHAFC stateside. We're also on Facebook, stateside seagulls. And then you can also search us at statesideseagulls.com for any of the information about summer series, our membership, and any of the events that we have going on during the season. Fantastic. Brilliant. As I said, I went to this funeral yesterday. She, it was a lovely event, lovely person. She'll be sorely missed. So, really, rest in peace, Nikki. To everyone else that's been listening, thank you very much um, for listening. Thank you very much to everyone that's joined us today. So we've had Dagan, we've had Paul from Stateside Seagulls, AJ Hunter, Sonny, Peter, of course, my usual co-host, and John, the Brighton Bard, who's going to leave us with the final words on this podcast. So, um, Peter, we're going to do the stand or fall thing first, and we'll leave it with the, with the poetry to finish. So, Peter, stand or fall. Up the Albion. And John, <laughs> over to you, sir, for the final words. Thank you, Russ. Soon the boys from a certain club, of which we are rather fond, will jump on a plane and head west to play this side of the pond. Over here, oh, our loyal fan base grows by thousands every year. And now that Stateside Seagulls is official, one thing is very clear. While sometimes our American cousins 
may call it by a different name. It's fantastic how many now support the club and their passion is just the same. So as a Sussex lad who now lives here on Oklahoma's Great Plains, I'll be joining those watching from afar, hopefully in a bar, as we start our first Europa League campaign. Sports Social Podcast Network.